Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, a sex-positive hour of talk about kink, sexual mores, and writing dirty words. So grab a cup of cocoa, your favorite easy chair, and the lube as we go sailing into the dark, sweet waters of all things naughty on Licking Non-Vanilla with your hosts, Ralph Greco Jr. and M. Christian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Licking Non-Vanilla, your portal for all things nasty, naughty, and fun, at least fun. Um, we just, we're, we're going through a different portal uh, today, well, and ever onward, to try to make the show, you know, always good. And Chris, it was just the uh, those numbers that just came up on the screen. What did we say that re- they reminded us? That, is oh, it it's countdown? classic Thunderbirds. That British, yeah, Thunderbirds. You know, su- yeah, yeah, super marination show. I can always kind of hear that <laughs> booming voice. Five, four, you know. Four, and the, right. The rockets and the, those, and those numbers those looking, the numbers are exactly, they look exactly like them, you know. Mm-hmm. We said that before. Chris and I were laughing about that, um, <laughs> bringing us way, way back. And um, I sh- I'm, I'm being impolite. Um, I am Ralph Greco Jr. here on the east coast of the of the great continental United States. And across from me, across the country, but not across my heart, very close to my heart, <laughs> is uh, Chris, otherwise known as M. Christian, um, from the wild and woolly waste, well, not waste, but the wild and woolly, <laughs> you know, green of Eugene, Oregon. Right. Now, Chris, what's your weather been like? Because we got slammed snow-wise just well, recently. We didn't quite have snow, though in okay. certain parts, I know Portland, which is about an hour north of here, got mm-hmm. hit by snow. I think oh, okay. we may have right. had some ice, but yeah, this has been a very, you know, very cool, you know, whole season. I mean, when mm-hmm. I first moved up here, it was, you know, when it was in July, it was really hot and it stayed that way right. for several months. This year, you know, thank you, global warming, you know, yeah. we actually have, you know, a, a very kind of opposite reaction. It's been cold quite steadily now um, mm-hmm. and several times mm-hmm. it dipped below the freezing level. Yeah. And you get, and you do get, it do get, does get rainy there, right? It does. I mean, yeah, I was yeah. just, you know, just the other day, I was like, you know, I couldn't figure out what this noise was. And I looked out my little window because I don't have much of a view, just the apartment mm-hmm. next door. And it was just like pounding rain. And I'm on the mm-hmm. top floor, so I can really hear it. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we had, you know, and then what happened is with the snow, this is what I, I kind of, subject I want to talk to you about today. Um, so, so with the pounding snow, we had about, I would say about two feet um but you know it clears up pretty quickly and we're used to it you know so but we're supposed to get more tomorrow so i go food shopping this morning and it's <laughs> it is a cluster i mean people are <laughs> losing their minds and i don't know if you if you experience this but the most of the supermarkets now have those robots that walk around the store have you seen those robots no i haven't seen those okay we don't have those out here At least I, they're about eight they're about eight feet five eight, eight feet tall and they look like monoliths you know from 2001 mm-hmm. And they have a little face drawn on them, and they walk <laughs> through the store. Beep, beep, beep. You know, I, and I to tell you the truth, I don't think they they serve any purpose, but whatever. And so they got the they got the robots going today. The stores are crowded. I mean, incredible. And it was just a cluster of unbelievable proportions. And I'm thinking, like, you know, generally people. And then of course the Super Bowls tomorrow. So, and it's and social distancing. You put all the. It's it's a, it's a it's just a shitstorm. You know. Um, people, people losing their minds over, over, <laughs> well, that's what happens. We panic, you know, we, 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 we have a tendency to panic and wow, it was something else. So 
which is weird because you think people after you know, because of the stay at home mandate. Yeah. You'd think people would be better about shopping for like several weeks as opposed you to think so. worrying about being snowed in for a couple of days. I mean, right. I haven't left my apartment in like a week and a half. And mm-hmm. that's actually pretty much average. I usually shop like twice, uh, three times a month. And then right. I have kind of like doctor's appointments and such. But mm-hmm. yeah, usually I spend like all my time at home here. In fact, it's funny because one of the side effects of the cold weather, I don't know if you guys have that, but my car battery kept dying. Okay. <laughs> Because it gets below a certain temperature, it just doesn't work. So I bought right. myself a little jump start kit. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's sort of kept me on the road. But it is pretty weird. And yeah. it hasn't gotten quite bonkers up here. I think mainly because Eugene and the Springfield area is not that busy. It's not a very yeah, populated yeah. area. Yeah. Um, I have noticed, like, the other day I bopped into my little Safeway to pick up a couple of things. It's like, crap, it was busy. I mean, it was just, like, bonkers. Yeah. So... You know, that it's just normal domestic stuff we're talking about, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. normal everyday stuff. And and in in the flux of that, since Chris and I, I write the stuff we write, we write dirty, naughty words and stuff. So we're, we're always in touch with beyond just the normal going to the store and worrying about our car battery stuff. We're, we're, we're always all in touch with, the, you know, the more salacious stories, shall we say, in the world, right? So I don't know if you read this recently, um, but there's been a there's been a. a kind of like a um a, a campaign to move the red light district in Amsterdam move it from where it is classically where it's been right the mayor of uh Amsterdam's been after this for a while the, the I think they call it the the, the Wallen district that's what it's mm-hmm. called the red light district and uh it looks like it's going to be moved they're actually going to move the area to a different cool. spot um and you know there's oppositions because this is something that's classically been there forever the red, red light district you know and I, I don't know, have you ever, first of all, have you ever seen it? Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I okay. lived in Europe for uh, about, I mean, I lived in St. Nicholas, Belgium for a year back in 82, 83. Okay. And Amsterdam is just like an hour's drive. So, yeah, you know, I spent Pop a long skip. time there. And it's actually not a very big area. It's actually pretty no, it small. Um, it's not like a sprawling thing. I did also go to the Reeperbahn in, in Hamburg. Oh, and, what was that like? Oh, that is like, you know, the red light district of Amsterdam times like a hundred. It's like, a, yeah, it's like supposed to be wild. Higher, right? You know, it's, it's wild. And then some, I mean, <laughs> I remember reading, it's like, you know, they, they have these tower block apartments. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the red light district in Amsterdam, that's just usually the, you know, people purveying of, you know, various yeah. things. And they have these little, little kind of like quasi little, um, almost like a pod, you know, right. and so they have like a curtain. Little they cabins, have, they call them, exactly. right? Really, yeah, right. And they ha- often have like a car reflecting mirror outside so they can see when right. someone's approaching so they can get themselves ready. And right. when you're doing your business, um, they draw the curtain. And mm-hmm. But in the Reeperbahn, it's massive scale. So you have like uh, all these tower block apartments and the bottom part is where, you know, whoever is selling is selling. And yeah. then they do their business in the actual tower block upstairs. And there's like several of those buildings. Now, I don't know if that's changed because remember, this is like 20 years ago. But right, right. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. And on a, on a different note, and excuse me for a little bit of a tangent, I've always respected the way that many European countries and cities approach sex work. It's not perfect, but, you know, right. red light districts are common. I remember, you know, driving with my family, we passed through some little Swiss town and there was their red light district, which is probably mm-hmm. like about half a block long, but right. it was there. Um, but one thing interesting about um, Amsterdam I read was uh, 
and there's always, I think it's a really cool thing um, mm-hmm. that they had, not necessarily a problem, but they were having like, you know, some concerns about various people who are doing sex work, but are, you know, like recent immigrants or mm-hmm. are kind of under the radar. And, right. you know, the U.S., we would like pass some kind of stupid law and bring the cops mm-hmm. out. Instead, what Amsterdam did was create a special car park oh, where okay. these people could, you know, purveyor their wares with people yeah. in their cars. And they even put a little clinic and a police station there. <laughs> so I cool. thought that was really cool. That's an intelligent way of approaching this. Yeah, right. So well, the moving yeah, the red absolutely. light district, I think, is, is a perfectly fine idea. Well, it, it, I mean, there, there's opposition to it because um... – the mayor seems to be doing a couple of things that are a little bit Drancodian. You know, she could be moving in the direction of wanting to shut things out. She was saying that the problem with the red light is the tourists flood the area, as you well know. Um, actually, when I was there, I went back and forth over bridges and didn't realize I went, walked through it because it looked like it really looked like a boardwalk area. Like people were just out in bars and hanging out. I didn't realize until I looked into until it got dark enough and I looked in the canal water and saw the red lights. I went, okay, that's where I am, you know. Um, and she's she's supposedly moving it for there's other political reasons. She wants to she didn't want the tourists be, have access to the coffee shops, which are the cannabis, you know. Hmm. So there's a couple things that are going on here. But I do agree with you. The thing about the sex work there is the, the girls the girls have health. Their their healths are you know they have I don't know if they have health insurance particularly, but but they can they can see go to clinics and be seen and and i also know and i i noted this too when i was there if you noticed up on the you know how the cabins are like like you're saying they're below mm-hmm. you know in the, in the buildings and if you looked up the stairs every so often you'd see kind of a burly guy standing there and those are the guys that are there if there's trouble the girls mm-hmm. can buzz those and and also i walk down the street there's a couple cops so like mm-hmm. i think it's a relatively clean as well as we could say that word and safe area for that and uh you know, like like the girls here in the U.S. in certain areas, Nevada, have the ability to have health care and, you know, and be safe, um, which is, you know, like we always say, this is going to be one of those things that's going to happen anyway. Mm-hmm. What are we doing trying to to keep keep a lid on it and keep it not happening? It's ridiculous. You know? Exactly. I've always been thought we should, you know, make sex work, you know, stop treating it as a legal practice. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily legalize it, but stop pers- prosecuting it. I think it's just right. like I mean, you know, everyone's body is their own. If they want to sell it and they have right. and they consensually do it, then more power to you. Um, and, the problem yeah, is it gets yeah. complicated because some people are forced into it by economics or forced true, into it against true. their will, which is human true. trafficking and other horrible things. But right, if it's right. done intelligently and if it's done once again consensually, then absolutely people should be able to sell whatever they got. Um, and, and and if it's out in the open, you may, maybe we have a better chance of catching the human trafficking. Exactly. You know? when, it's, exactly. when it's under underground like this, you can't, you can't, it's very difficult, you know. Exactly. And that's the whole kind of thing about the whole drug re- legalization movement, which Eugene, I mean, excuse me, Oregon, actually just no longer will prosecute drug crimes. They they give mm-hmm. you the option of, of like going to a, you know, like a therapist or for addiction counseling or something similar. And the whole thing is like, you know, it's like the, it's kind of like, again, like the pro, like prohibition. I mean, prohibition didn't do anything but push the liquor trade underground and fueled organized crime. (laughs) Absolutely. If you make it, if not legal, then, you know, stop uh, uh, prosecuting. Absolutely. Demand dries up. I mean, it's just like, because everybody can do it, then, you know, there's no reason to, you know, do this kind of thing. 
Um, yeah. And speaking of also, I remember saying else about the Reaper bond that I thought was kind of interesting is everyone working there has to get like a regular checkup like every couple of mm -hmm. weeks. So I think mm -hmm. that's part of the reason they, they have like legal, you know, prostitution, but there's sort of a caveat yeah. that you, you have to also be working with someone. And, you know, in other words, like you said, a protector, you need to have someone yeah. who, you know, you can't just be independent because it's not safe. Um, mm -hmm. But again, you have to go through like, I think it's, it's pretty strict, a pretty strict little, uh, little examination. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, culturally, it's a, it's a totally different country. So, I mean, we always have to take that in consideration, too. You know, the, the history of that country is different, is older, first of all, than ours. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a different different moral climate. And uh, so things are different. I mean, things are done differently, and, and that's okay, too. You know, we can um, – it's just that when I when I heard that she was moving it, I thought it was interesting. And, I mean, I, I kind of I, – you know, I, I, I don't like anything that's when it's forced. You know, that feels a little – little heavy-handed to me and i i don't know I, but but you know i don't know if there's trouble there i don't know i think it's just because of that and the thing with the cannabis shops and coffee shops it seemed like she wanted to she wanted to clean things up more or less for the for the tourists which i think is odd because tourists go to amsterdam you know why they go to amsterdam i mean it's a beautiful city don't get me wrong but you know you go to amsterdam to look at more than windmills you know what i'm saying <laughs> you know um but I, but what I liked about it too was we you know, walked down the street and we walked right past a cabin or two. You know, the girls are right there, and I remember. But the next thing was a, was a shop to get French fries. Yep. You know, like it just was so normal. <laughs> it's just a totally different vibe there. You know. Yes. Uh, so 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 what's your what's your overall feeling then, Chris? Do you think it's a good thing they move it? I mean, I liked it where it was. I thought it was kind of cool, like being there, like yeah, forever. I mean, I'm actually kind of torn because. Um, it is kind of a limited space and yeah, it is part of the city and it's part of the history, the history of the city. And like you said, you know, very well, it's also why people come there. Yeah. Though the kind of geeky, you know, futurist side of me thinks, wow, that'd be cool. I mean, can you imagine like this 21st century version of a red light district, you mm -hmm. know, and right. where you could use like containers for the pods and you could and do pods. you know you know and do like you know you know projection mapping of porn right. on the walls exactly. and, and it would be dedicated to sex so you could have like yeah. a massive sex shop and you could have like adult theaters you could have performances right. you know and it could it be limited by no size but again right. i think it has to be consensual if they put the thing together and then invited you know the sex workers to move in it's mm -hmm. different than closing it and forcing them to go there and yeah. even worse I, 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 if it's if it's kind of like out of sight out of mind idea like it's really far from the city and it's really small and that's just gonna suck that's that's a horrible idea and that that's the vibe i got from what i read but then again i may have read something that was you know anti that so i don't know you know you don't you also got you know we know this as as well as anybody you always have to check the bias of who's record who's reporting you know mm -hmm. um and it could very well be what you're saying it could be a well thought out reasoned area which has some great really cool uh interactive 21st century stuff that 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 would you know help i, I don't know i just i have no idea i just know that they're moving it and i thought it was interesting because i knew you had seen it and been there you know mm -hmm. And uh, I had only I've only been there once, but that city is really something else. I mean, that's the bicycles and the the walking and the canals and the you know the the Anne Frank thing. It's pretty cool, you know. It's pretty cool.
Oh, it's a great city. I love the yeah. fact that it's, it's very much kind of like the San Francisco of Europe. Oh, because absolutely. Because it's very bohemian. That's what's so weird about them wanting to change the red light district because... Yeah, I know. I mean, agree. When I was there, it was like 20 years ago again. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, not all that recent, actually more than that. So it's probably changed since then. But I've always liked the fact it felt very much like a bohemian city. I mean, there was, like yeah. you said, there's the the hash, the, the you know, the coffee houses at the red light district. There's a whole bunch of very kind of a strong hippie presence. There's like, oh, absolutely. you know, absolutely. I remember going to a couple of clubs that were basically just, it felt like, you know, San Francisco in the 70s. Yeah, um, no, it, was, it was definitely that. Yeah, I had a vibe there. You know, the only thing I was impressed about, wasn't impressed about by, with Chris was that we, we were at, we... I mean, the lines to possibly go into some museums in the, are, are amazing. And and also the Anne Frank house the line was just amazing. But the thing about the Anne Frank, the Dan Frank experience that I found really interesting and I still don't understand. I mean, I understand that 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 book is a seminal historical piece, right? But no sequel. Like, I'm not that impressed. <laughs> you write no sequel. Come on. I'm not that impressed, you know, because like. As far as I'm concerned, if you do it, you should be doing more sequels. You know, that's that's the way it's Star Wars. There was there was nine. And, you know, <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, that was a strange experience because I had never been in any part. I've traveled Europe a little bit. I'd never been in any part of Europe where I felt the Nazi presence ever. That was the first time. And it, because that had houses that stayed the same way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've kept it pretty much as it was. And you walked, you know, in up the staircase in the in that hidden area with the with the curtains and stuff but i was like this is weird i've never felt you know the world war ii the nazism anywhere except there and that was a weird feeling man. that was oh it's, weird, it's very disturbing weird. i think it's important that everyone go there but it's oh, also absolutely. very it's you have to be prepared for it it's not like it's a tourist attraction now. it's really it can be very devastating emotionally right. i actually right. went to dachau Oh, that's um, that's, a, that's some fun times. I still wow. have, I still frankly have nightmares about, and that's just from you know, you know, seeing it. Um, wow. I mean, the other one is actually I went to Yeeps, which is the the French area of the First World War. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, so apologies to anybody yeah, who yeah. knows how to correctly pronounce it. And I remember also like being brought to tears because there's no monument. Oh, yeah. And all there is just to acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of people who lost their lives mm-hmm. in a pointless, you know, battles is a massive field of yellow poppies. Wow. And it's just like, that's it pretty just heavy, like man. a ton of bricks. It's that's just pretty like, heavy. Yeah. You know, that's probably like, you know, only one that's like, like representing one, like a hundred of the yeah. you know, like I said, the hundreds of thousands of people who perish. It's just that's like it's heavy, really dude. chilling. Yeah, that's um, pretty heavy. But you know what's funny about one one place I particularly noticed Second World War, and it was really funny because Belgium was one of those places that kind of got rolled over in parts. Mm-hmm. So you'd be driving through like Belgium, it doesn't matter where, and you'd find a little town that looks like it has always existed since like the Middle Ages. Yeah. And then you turn a corner and there's a town that has like an old, old church, but a modern steeple. And mm-hmm. then you'd see like brand new, or at least you know maybe built in the '60s or '70s, yeah. you know, housing developments right next to very old buildings, and that's when mm-hmm. you realize that's where the war rolled through. Yeah, no kidding. And I it's, mean, it's, it's like the yeah. swath of just had been erased and then rebuilt, and it's like this kind right. of living monument to what happened. It was it was really kind of really really remarkable. And you know what's interesting about those places because now you're talking about Belgium, and, and I'm thinking about 
um, the red light district. And, and I wrote an extensive, I had one of my jobs was to write uh, descriptions of cities in and around Belgium, you know, all that area for a, uh, an escort service. So because we're saying there it's legal, right? So this place called She International, and they still exist. You go on the website, you pick the girl you want, and you pick the date you'd want. You want a day, a weekend. And if you're going on a weekend, you would maybe want to know where to go with her. And that's what I came in. I was writing <laughs> city description. It had nothing to do with the, 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 the work. It had to do with we need somebody to, to write the highlights of each city. And, you know, and, and those cities are beautiful. There are some great things to see in those cities, you know. Um, so I, I think that's true. I think the old, the very, very old, and the oldest profession as well, and the new, new whether it being, you know, post-World War II or whatever, they all do exist together. And it's an interesting, and people just walk amongst those things. You know, you walk into a, you walk into a square that may, you may have seen, you, like you say, there's a church may be there for centuries, have been there for centuries. And then right around the, the walkway is a, is a shop that maybe was built five years ago. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's extremely eclectic that way. It's, and I, and I think that adds to kind of a feeling of, well, if, if we have sex workers here, it's just as much as it's, it's just as much part of the firmament as, as anything else, you know? Exactly. And that's what, that's what's so, uh, so fascinating about it is like, again, it's like, you know, like Belgium is a traditionally rather conservative country. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit stoic. It's not quite as, for lack of a better word, flamboyant as other, yeah. you know, cities. Uh, however, every belgian city you know of any size has a red light district mm -hmm. um and particularly like antwerp and brussels you know have some right. pretty extensive ones and right. it was funny because i remember seeing like a difference in sexual attitude when i was living there there's this little town that sat literally on the border between the netherlands and belgium and the okay. border like ran down the street and what was funny <laughs> like was literally on, the border <laughs> literally i mean it's just they built yeah. this thing on the border and of course right. european borders as you know are basically like you know nothing you wouldn't even know you crossed it half That's the true. time That's you know true. if you're on a train you know they come through and stamp your passport but if you're just yeah. walking they just it's like i didn't realize i had crossed like four countries you know yeah because there's no markers um right. but what's interesting with this town was on one side with belgian town which was monochromatic and they have these iron or metal shutters they put over the windows and doors to get the heat in so mm -hmm. all of them were closed and i'm exaggerating right. a little bit here but then on the netherlands side it was crazy ass because there's flowers <laughs> everywhere there's a sex right. shop sex shop sex shop right. you know there's <laughs> like you know it's just like it, you can tell it's like it's it's this really kind of like dichotomy between the two yeah the yeah. two countries and the, and the cultures but yeah, I mean, pretty much almost everywhere in Europe. The only place I didn't see it was, I think, Spain, but I didn't look for it in Spain. Okay. But of course, Spain's also pretty traditionally kind of Catholic-leaning, right. so yeah, maybe no that's kid. part of it. But yeah, I saw it in France, Germany, uh, Switzerland. Um, I didn't go to Norway, Sweden, or Denmark, so I don't know okay. what, what it's like there. And of course, Germany is kind of known for you know their own well, well, like you were saying about you know the, the section in Germany, that was the section where um hamburg and and that the section you're talking about is where the beatles play too before they came and Beatlemania hit. exactly and exactly. you know that was supposed to be you know what they were doing well that's where they got into taking pep pills because they had to stay up all night and do like mm -hmm. six hour shows or whatever it was you know becoming like you know just just kicking it you know but uh yeah the decadence the decadent level if you and i don't mean that decadence in a pejorative but that level is different as we've seen here i mean from city to city here san francisco like you said is a is considered a pretty much wide open city or was at one time 
And, you know, Austin's a big city for music. Um, mm-hmm. New York City's another one of those. You can find some good decadency there if you want. But in Europe, it's I, I think it's it's pretty much an equal amount decadency. It's just it's just what the what the country or the city is known for. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a there's a big I know there's a big leather culture in Berlin, mm-hmm. right? There's a big and then certain areas like the French have a different kind of kink culture. We've talked about this before, you know. Um, so it's pretty interesting, but but definitely more wide open than here. We don't, you know, we have in little fact, pockets just, of it. I just read today that uh, the French authorities, you know, uh, shut down a, you know, because of COVID restrictions, you can't have parties mm-hmm. and yeah. such. They shut down like a 183-person orgy. Uh, oh, okay. In, in, I think it was Paris. And, wow. you know, it's like. Is it outside uh, or I mean, inside? I have to applaud them. I mean, one, it's really irresponsible and really yeah, yeah. horrible for them to do this because right. we're in the middle of a you know fatal you know pandemic. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, wow. I mean, I've never been to a hundred and eighty three person orgy any in the bohemian places I've lived. I mean, the <laughs> most I think was maybe like about oh, if you're lucky, fifty. So it's like yeah, right. one I mean, that's... to organize that kind of thing, and two, okay. it's like you know to have that massive a crowd. It's kind of like oh, damn. I mean, that's, you got to find a spot. You know, and that's like, another thing. Where do you hold 183 people? I mean, yeah, it's, really, it, yeah, it's not that you can yeah. do your local Marriott. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> right. like that's, that takes yeah, some serious acreage. <laughs> yeah, because we we've been, you know, you and I have been to, to conventions and stuff where they've taken over, you know, they've taken over uh, a hotel, so they kind of black out the windows and people can walk mm-hmm. around and do whatever they want. Um, not everybody has, not every group has the the resources and money to do that. But even then. It's not a it's not a back and all free for all, yeah. you know. It's 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 just people coming in and out and registering and going here and there. But it's not like what you're describing. You're describing a distinctive spot of a that's under about 200 people getting one place to do one thing, mm-hmm. which is which is saying something. I got organization skills there are pretty good, you know. You got you got to give that one, you know. Absolutely. Uh, wow. I mean, kudos in that department. I mean, right. I, said, I said I used to go to these some parties in San Francisco. And they weren't all that often. And they were always yeah. kind of, like I said, 50 or 60 people. Um, so that's impressive. And then some. And you're right, too, about Berlin. Berlin's another swinging city. I mean, they have, like, oh, yeah. massive party crowds and sex, right. you know, sex things. And they're really great for, like, you know, queer representation. And there's parades. Yeah. And there's, like, there's all kinds of, like, hedonistic and wonderfully hedonistic kind of things. But the other one thing yeah. I also realized is that, you know, like like a lot of countries, you know, like a lot of places actually, um, parts of Europe are more conservative than others. So like southern Germany is a little bit more, you know, I think uh, this may have very well changed and this is yeah. based purely on my subjective you yeah, know, experiences, right. is a little bit more reserved. But then you get to like okay. Berlin and Hamburg, which is like, oh. fuck this, we're having a party. You know, it's just like, you <laughs> yeah. know, screw this. It's like, you know, and, you know, Berlin, like I said, is just a rocking city. I, I When I was there, the wall was up and it was still See, that's pretty what, that, and I was You were just talking about that. And I just thought about this. When that wall came down, that I'm sure that changed the the, uh, the climate of that city as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the, the wide open, I mean, it's ironic, either the wall is up and I'm sure that there was a lot of underground stuff happening because of walls up and people were avoiding it, you know, doing what they're doing and, you know, they're feeling oppressed by it. And then I, when it came down, I'm sure people went batshit, you know, I'm sure that's what happened. So um, it's just, a, it's just really interesting how, well, I guess the, the, the whole takeaway here is that there's just, it's just a great big wide world out there. 
and people are doing things differently than maybe the way you're doing it. Mm -hmm. That's okay, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And I love the fact that one of the unforeseen side effects of the pandemic is how so many um, sex workers have had to adapt you know, oh, joining know. things like OnlyFans or some sort. And that oh, yeah. actually there's some places where they've actually set up COVID precautions for the sex workers. So in other words, yeah. they have to wear a mask. They have to use, you know, protection, obviously, including things like gloves. And right. I can't remember where I saw this. So I can't, I want to, I don't want to throw in erroneous information, but mm-hmm. it's really fascinating how some places are doing it. Some places have shut them down, you know, well, you, yeah. Know, yeah. you know, and it's not because particularly anti-sex work, but because it's, you know, obviously can be a hotspot for, transmissions and such um but there's also a big movement now gaining speed to once again you know make sex work you know not necessarily again legal but you know stop stop you know uh, prosecuting for it because so many people are in such financial straits you know it's that many people have resorted to it and well yeah and 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 also the thing was you know when it first happened too i heard i'd heard about you know were they going to get subsidized like everybody else's like all other businesses have been and there was, you know, the it was very hard for them to find even even educational places that consider educational that we both know of. You know, they were having a hard time because it, the stigmatization, you know, the, stig, the stigma stigma behind that kind of work just it just knocks it down and they and it they're just ignored. So we're not gonna there's you're not on the list for any kind of aid or subsidy. And, uh, yeah, it's really horrible. I mean, blame the freaking you know conservatives for that one. They actually put mm-hmm. things into the support bills that it can't be used for those kinds of yeah, things, which is just totally yeah. irresponsible. I mean, the sex workers deserve respect and acknowledgement and safety, and you know they should be able to like you know take advantage of any other you know self-employed person like, benefits like everybody else. You know exactly. I mean, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's changed or not. I know sometimes you can get around it, but, you know, yeah. especially if you kind of fuzz the, you know, the description of what you do. But, you yeah. know, I mean, and then you have things like, you know, it also kind of given the rise to cam culture. I mean, before no, you yeah. know, cam culture was pretty much it was still there, but it was kind right. of like not huge. But man, after the pandemic, it's like you know, the pandemic hit, you know, like OnlyFans skyrocket. Now there's like a yeah. dozen different. You know, know monetization know. platforms out there absolutely there's all and you're right about that the platforms are just just an amazing amount of them you know now um since this is the first uh show that we're doing on this platform chris we're doing a little bit of a shorter show today um but i think we covered some ground and we had a great conversation yeah. as we always, always is wonderful always wonderful robbie so we want to thank everybody for listening to licking non-vanilla as we always do and you could find us uh, at multiple places. Uh, we have a Twitter feed and we have a Twitter feed and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, you can, uh, and we have a blog going on. And uh, Chris and I are involved in a lot of different writings. You can find us online all over the place. And uh, we thank you for listening, as we always do. And we'll 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 hook up with you again. We're going to get some New Year's comments here now, so we're going to get some guests on again and keep rocking. So um, and maybe we'll get some YouTube uh, stuff up as well. So so another way, another word, way to uh, enjoy this, what we're doing here. So I have been or will be and will continue <laughs> to be Ralph Greco Jr. here uh, on the one side of the country. And over there is... I totally deny having anything at all to do with this person known as M. Christian. I am completely absolved of all responsibility of his actions. That's right. So we uh, thank you, Chris, as always. Uh, good to talk to you and good to talk to our listeners and uh, well 
be heard by our listeners. <laughs> and we'll see you next time, kids. Thank you for listening to Licking Non Vanilla. And visit us on the web at www.lickingnonvanilla.com. <laughs> <laughs>